press play. Curtain of an hour in. It's time to take spin. The shade and tea to spill. Ooh, Ooh drama. drama. Oh, that's a tweet. Did they book? Who got nom? They option no. Oh, I'm not well. What, what star will we talk to today? Oh, that's a gag, honey. Say no more. Drama. Drama. Welcome to Drama, a podcast that covers theater, pop culture, love, and life. I'm Connor McDowell. And I'm Dylan McDowell. Happy July. Happy end of Pride. What an exhausting month it was. Thank God it's over. Connor, I saw you so much this last month. You were in Columbus for that wedding and then Columbus Pride. And then I was with you in New York for New York Pride. And somehow we're still here. I know. I know we made it. You know that dog that's like homophobic on Twitter? The people like love it. It yeah. has like gay parents and the dog is like giving homophobia. He's, he's like has a very disapproving look. Yeah, on his face. I'm yeah. obsessed with that dog, but I, I understand him now. After going through this pride season, I was ready for it to be over. You know, the dog famously says a whole month uh-huh. and I agree it should it's it was too long um but seeing you was great seeing you was amazing and yeah. pride was fun and you know we're living life we're having you know the the best of times the memories but I'm run through we're doing all the things we said we we would do once we had the chance to again because the pandemic taught mm-hmm. us to like never say yeah, no yeah I'm not well, well you know. I'm not well to answer the question we usually ask our guests how they're doing are they well a famous a famous question asked in our theme song and right. of our guests you're not well. I want to know though, what is like a pride highlight? And then we'll jump in with our amazing guest. Okay. Pride highlight. I'm just going to pick something fun because there, there are so mm-hmm. many. Seeing our friends, Michael and Patrick's show, Circle Jerk Live with you yes. um, was fantastic. I'm obsessed with them and I love the show. And um, it was actually the only theater I saw in June. So. Oh, okay. And I'm cool, obsessed. Cool, cool. Yeah. What about you? Um, my, my pride highlight was probably the Friday where we were doing a little like happy hour time drinks before like the weekend kicked off. It was like a nice way to kind of like reacclimate myself to New York City. I love it. It was so fun. And also the Columbus yeah. part was great too. The wedding and seeing all of our friends. It was yeah, it, it was a hit. But Dylan, it was amazing. We gotta get into this episode today because we have a star. We have a, a professional. <laughs> and you know, he's made the podcast rounds. So we knew that there was there was if there was ever a time. We needed to be very selective about it. And this is on the eve of his his publishing debut. Oh my God. That's it's a, it's maybe the Eve Eve, if you really think about it. Eve, but. Eve, Midsummer Night's Eve. Wait, what? Yeah. Our friend Jen connected us. We have something in common that we're we're guilty ones. You know, we all we <laughs> treaded the boards. And I'm not talking about the Broadway ones, you know, like the actual <laughs> online boards of the guilty ones back in the day. Wow. Um, but for once it's not a Spring Awakening alum from the national tour. Okay. It's someone who was in the Deaf West production. Wow. That, ma- that made it to Broadway, of course. That made it to Broadway. That's right. I'm going to bring him in. Go off. Our guest today is an actor, writer, and Tony Award-winning producer for his work on Town, best known to New York audiences as the first replacement for the role of Connor Murphy in the Broadway company of Dear Evan Hansen. He debuted on The Great Bright Way as the voice of Moritz in Deaf West's Tony Award-nominated Broadway revival of Spring Awakening, for which he received an Astaire Award nomination and a Broadway.com Audience Choice Award nomination for his performance. He left his mark in a range of appearances on stage, including Cruel and Intentions the musical, Brooklyn Night, 
Million Dollar Quartet, Here's Hoover, I Am Harvey Milk, Lin-Manuel Miranda and This American Life's 21 Chump Street, and the national tour of Green Day's American Idiot. You might recognize him from Marvel's Jessica Jones, Happy-ish, Welcome to Greenpoint, Saturday Night Live, and more. On film, he's been seen in Alt Space, Contest, and Detachment. In the fall of 2022, this aforementioned debut children's book, A Case of the Zaps, will be available wherever fine books are sold. He is a social media star, mental health advocate, and the coolest guy in town. Please welcome to drama, Alex, Alex Boniello. Where did you get that bio? I wrote it. <laughs> I wrote it myself. It's very good. <laughs> I, it's an amalgamation of everything I found online about you, plus my sure. own flair. That's really good stuff. I you, yeah. Do, I was. Do you want it? No, I'm okay. I actually, this is a very silly thing to start with, but I, I'm getting an award, an alumni award at the college I graduated from in the fall. Oh. And so I had to write because I'm sort of the like, I don't know, like the featured guest or whatever. Oh yeah, sure, I, sure. I had to write a bio that I can only describe as made my skin crawl because <laughs> I really, it's paragraph. I had to inflate my ego so tremendously in this bio that there will never need to be another like self-important <laughs> bio written about me ever again. I mean, it's gross, That's but awesome. it's like, they, there's like a whole page thing about me. So I was like, oh, geez, I guess now is the time to really tell them about every sneeze I've ever snozzed, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, Wait, first of all, what college I went to Wagner college on Staten Island. Oh, uh, it's giving Pete Davidson Staten Island summer vibes. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if it's given that those vibes, but it's giving <laughs> Staten Island. And then second question is what is the award? They give it to like a few alumni a year. I think it's called like the, the, the key award or something. They do it on like the, the homecoming weekend. So like one of the first weekends of the school year nice. and they just, it's just for like recognition of uh, achievement of graduates. Like I know there's like me, I'm sure then there's like a medical student who's doing like important things. And then, you know, like, like people who have done cool things, I suppose. So it's a very nice, um, it's a very nice little recognition. Do you think you'll get a plaque? I get a plaque. I was, I'm very curious if they're going to uh, wipe away the rest of my student loans as a reward, Oh, but yeah. I'm not sure if that's, I'm not sure if, <laughs> if that's happening. I keep making, I keep making jokes to my friends. Uh, you know, the Jim Carrey, the Grinch, when he wins the holiday cheermeister mm -hmm. award and he uh, shows up, he's like, the child said there'd be a chick. <laughs> like, that's like me. I'm like rolling up in my leader hose and like <laughs> hoping, hoping for a check. <laughs> I mean, not, not a bad Jim Carrey is the Grinch, by the way. It's really, that performance is way better than history gives him credit for. It's out of control how good uh, mm -hmm. he is in that film. It's out of it's yeah. out of complete control. He is amazing. The, the monologue where he's talking to, is it like a voice mess? Like he's leaving, he's like leaving his um, voice message yes. thing. Oh, it, the cut you like a fish. It's, it's just amazing. There's yeah. so much to it. It's great. Do you do impressions, yeah. Alex? Like voices? Uh, <laughs> You know, I, I don't, but my fiance, April always says to me, she's always like, why are you, it really only takes like one listen for a lot of things. And I'm pretty, pretty darn good, pretty quickly. Ooh. Oh, that's, that's a good party trick. It's just any, it's just like an ear thing. A lot of people can do it. I can do a lot of the, I don't know. There's a lot that I feel like a lot of people can do. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I'll also yeah, go ahead yeah, and yeah. tell you, uh, wow, we're starting this off really weird. <laughs> um, I'll also tell you that if you can do Kermit the Frog. Uh -huh. You can also do Gollum from Lord of the Rings, okay. and you yeah. can also do Stitch from Lilo and Stitch. It's basically all the exact same voice. It just changed. You just are changing a few things. 
And now I'm setting myself up to have to do them. I think. Well, I was going to say, I'm not going to require you to, because I hate when someone is like, oh, you okay. do impressions. So now it would it, be but... disappointing for the listeners. And I do, I do understand that. So like, could you give us the sample or? Yeah. Like, why don't I read, um, I'll read like the first paragraph of the email y'all sent me when you, okay. oh, like, like, um, hello, uh, uh, hi, Alex. I uh, hope you're having a great start to summer. Uh, that's Kermit. And then if you want to do Gollum, you would say, we are interested in interviewing you. Um, which also Gollum has two voices, which is Gollum and Smeagol. So like Smeagol would be this. And Gollum would be like, so you, you start doing that whole Alex Brightman and Beetlejuice thing. And then Stitch is actually the same thing. Just pitch Gollum a little bit higher and say things like, it's the same exact one. I've I'm gagged. That was incredible. <laughs> I love that you did Smeagol and Gollum too. I, I mean, versatility. You know, I yeah, the I two got, genders. When I was in seventh grade, we were studying The Hobbit, uh, and I got extra credit because the films had very recently come out, um, uh-huh. and my teacher, I like made a joke in class that I could do the voice, and my teacher, uh, Mr. Foreman. Shout out. Gave me extra credit. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Foreman. Gave me extra credit in seventh grade in English class to read to the class. He was Bilbo and I was Gollum for the, the riddle, riddle back and yeah. forth thing. Mm-hmm. And I got extra credit. I got extra credit. It was a lot of fun. Too. Oh, that's so fun. I'm obsessed. Yeah. You, you know, didn't Rob McClure do a bunch of voices in, in Doubtfire? You you could you could be the next Doubtfire when it's revived and like, you know. Listen, listen, Rob, if you told me Rob couldn't do a bunch of voices... I would be shocked mm-hmm. because I know that man and that man, there's nothing Rob I can't know. do. So I'm sure it's, I'm sure he's got plenty. Yeah. He should have a Tony award. You know, that's my dose of drama. Rob should already have a Tony yeah. award. Rob should. Rob is one of those people, like the fact that I have one and he doesn't <laughs> is, a disgu- is a disgusting, a disgusting sin. You have like, you have the, you have the Jennifer Hudson Tony award. You know what I mean? Like the producing. That's true. Yeah, 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 So it's yeah. still valid. Yeah. We'll get it. We, we'll get into it. We will. Get into it. What's your astrological sign? I am a Libra. Oh. Yes. Lots of like very, you know, balance. You've got lots of interests at all times and you can be very passionate about them in varying states and phases. That's very true. That is very true. Wow. Connor's the the podcast astrologist today, but Alex, you know, we were already having so much fun with you, but I do have to ask, because, you know, we ask this of all of our guests. Are you well? Yeah, I'm okay. I'm trying to think, you know, I I have been pretty thankful to have had things to do Mm -hmm. Um, lately. You know, I think that um, I am a, I'm a person who overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly loves to have downtime. It's very, very, very important to me. But I am, for whatever reason, also a person who really needs needs to be busy to feel fulfillment sure. and to feel like kind of okay about myself, um, which is always a very fun balancing act. The, the, the balance of like wanting everyone to leave me alone at all times while also desperately wanting to be in demand. <laughs> okay, um, me... Yeah. I mean, it's, I think it's normal. I think, it, I think it's normal, but I, um, I'm okay. So, and it's been a lot of, yeah, it's been a lot of good. I mean, a lot of good things. I'm planning a wedding, which is stressful, but always has things for us to sort of be doing. As you said earlier, we have a book coming out, which is like, there's a lot of fun little like press things. And it's so different than acting like totally different industry. So I'm like learning something like totally, mm-hmm. if, you know what I mean? Like it's, I love to not know anything about something. So that's fun. Um, and then the, the, you know, it's not been super busy in terms of auditions, but lately the ones I've had, I have felt 
at least fulfilled finishing the audition, you know, like I had a good time working on it. You're so dynamic. Love it. And you're so well-spoken and you, it's like you'd planned the answer. (laughs) Never, never. Okay. So I have a lot of questions, but when is the wedding? Yeah. The wedding is, uh, well, I, why don't I just say for the sake of being like vague, it's at the end of October. Yeah. It's, it's far enough away that like it still feels like their time it still feels like there's time to be like we'll deal with that later Mm -hmm. but close enough that we should probably be dealing with things like now you know what i mean (laughs) it's really planning a wedding is really it's a really wild thing and i also suffer from that thing that i'm sure you both do at least a little bit which is like do you know when you have like a lot of small amounts of things to do and it would only take you 20 minutes to do them all but you're like i can't i can't do it Uh uh-huh and then those things hang over your head for like a week. That's sort of what the wedding situation is like. And I always feel really, really good when I just like send an email to the person who has the lights. Yeah. You know, like before <laughs> this, I had a FaceTime with who I think is going to be our DJ. Ooh. And that felt very good to get, you know, crossed off. Absolutely. You know? So you're going for DJ, not a, many live musicians. Okay. I'm about to say something that has never been said publicly. We are doing a DJ. However, for probably about 45 minutes of this evening, my good friend Gerard Canonico, uh, Spring Awakening mm-hmm. al- alumni, he has a very successful Blink-182 cover band and they will be playing for 45 minutes of this wedding. Amazing. This wedding is the most in-demand invite in town now. When I tell people that that's happening, everybody is like, wait, what? And then they think about it for like 10 seconds and they're like, oh, I'm going to be in the mood for that. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's like, you know, like I'm already this total, like shouldn't be in the musical theater industry goober of like, you know, screamo music and all these like interests that don't intersect at all with, you know, what I do for a living. So I think people are already expecting April and I to be doing some weird things and like, Uh I said it to April and she, the speed with which she was like, Oh dude. Yeah. Like we have to, like, it's going to be really, really stupid. Is this the band that he would perform with at Haswell greens? Um, I think that that was Gerard's. Like, I think that that was a request style band where oh, like, oh, I think you're right. Would, I remember that. Yeah. But his, no, I've, I've seen his, uh, his Gerard cover band. I've seen his blank cover band and they kill. They're really, really good. And those songs, whether you want to admit it or not for what is frankly going to be in a, wedding filled with mostly millennials they're gonna come absolutely unglued like it's gonna be so fun (laughs) i miss you is maybe one of the best song it's in the it's in my top 100 favorite that's gonna oh that's another another really really good impression is my tom DeLong impression i know people (laughs) think they can do it like it's popular on tiktok and stuff Uh uh-huh i i can do it like singing yeah like like where are you and i'm so sorry I cannot sleep. I cannot dream tonight. That was fucking good. I know. We should be paying you by the by the note here because like you've been for giving the, us the, a lot of for the kids at home listening. I did just I was telling the two of them I did just do a voiceover audition right before this, so I'm really in like peak annoying. Let's do voices uh, mode. <laughs> You're warm, Alex. Wait, I need to know: Are you doing yep. groomsmen? Are you gonna have a wedding party? No, nope. you're not. Nope. No, that's so mod. People That's are very doing modern. That now. Or I guess not doing it. As I plan this wedding and sort of leading up to this wedding, I have been feeling, and um, again, April and I agree on this mostly, that like I've been feeling very um, uncomfortable with how gendered the concept of getting married is um, yeah. in a lot of 
in a lot of ways. I mean, like when you really think about what a wedding used to be, it's disgusting to me, which is like this idea of like receiving this person as your property. It's I hate it. I hate that idea. That's not what this is. And so that was sort of an extension of it where it's like, first of all, I don't want to rank my friends because I love so many people in my life and so many people have been imperative in like my development as a human. How am I supposed to pick just a couple of them? And second it's of all- space top eight vibes. We, we, that's the joke we always make. It's, it's, gro- it's so <laughs> gross. And then also, I don't want to do the, the boys do this, the girls do this. Like, screw that. That's not what this is. Like, mm-hmm. no way. You're a cool, you're a cool fella. I, I love that. It's going to be just a celebration. I bet you that uh, over- I bet you that people like start doing it less. And look, there's nothing wrong with it. Like there is something like really nicely like traditional about it. I just have no interest in like a traditional wedding. I don't want it to like, we don't want it to feel like a sweet 16. You know what I mean? Like, which they sometimes can feel like we want it to feel like Mm -hmm. a celebration of both our 10 year love, as well as sort of celebrating the love of all the people who will be in the room who sort of uh, loved us into adulthood. You know what I mean? Oh, that's sweet. So, de- so ten years. So, was that a college romance? It was a college romance. It was a college. Yeah, it was okay. a college romance. That's true. Yeah. Okay. I think we're. I think you're a little bit older than us. Yeah, I'm 31. When you mentioned Lord of the Rings was out when you were in seventh grade, I was like, yeah, we were in like four. Lord of the Rings was so formative for us in like oh. fourth grade, and you can and make through middle school. I remember taking like like pretending to be sick one day so that I could stay home and watch like the directors commentary not even director there was oh, yeah. cast members too of the two towers I, I have like a distinct memory of it do you remember that dylan yeah mm-hmm. oh yeah no I, I did everything. the i i did the same i really i did the same i really really loved lord of the rings once again april deeply yeah. deeply loved lord of the rings she always says that her first uh like her sexual awakening came at the hands of legolas yeah um, me too. which is i, I mean like it. i i get it <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> and what's cool orlando bloom is still thriving i don't know great. if you follow him on any social media he's 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 amazing and he had not one but two hit franchises around oh. at the same time pirates can you imagine you know, like can you imagine like being in i mean nobody's ever even in one thing like that you know what i mean <laughs> right. he's in two things like that and mm-hmm. i was just actually watching a few months ago he was in that Broadway revival of uh, Romeo and Juliet. Oh, and I yeah. watched that on, um, I watched it on YouTube. It was just like available to watch the whole thing. And I was like, let's, oh, cool. I'm in a weird mood. Let's watch this. <laughs> and that guy enters that play on a fucking motorcycle. Oh, it was like a modern. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He rolls up, okay. you know, cause Romeo, I, I think like Mercutio and a few other people are like talking like, oh, Romeo's going to be here in a second or something. So it's like a perfect, you know, star <laughs> to entrance To paraphrase Shakespeare. Oh, Romeo's going to be here in a second. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, Do- Doc Verily, Romeo's, uh, he says he's five minutes away. I, I'm looking at him on the Google, uh, Google Maps. <laughs> no, but then he just, I have no, he just motorcycles in and like takes his helmet off. And of course the audience comes absolutely un hinged because it's orlando yeah. bloom and it's so funny it's a it's a level of camp that i'm like a hundred percent on top of you're channeling that for your wedding with the blink 182 yeah sure 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 cover man you're, you're so interesting and and you have a lot of like so you have a strong perspective on things we're talking about lord of the rings where did you grow up sure i grew up in new jersey on uh, northern north northern northern new jersey to be specific um very close to giant stadium okay geographically pretty darn close to the city so we're, we do like to ask all of our guests about the moment they realized they were interested in the arts or entertainment in whatever way that means to them. We we call it the ring of keys moment to borrow a term from fun home because for many people it is like a 
light switch, like, oh my God, you know, I can't believe I've been missing this. But for other people, it, you know, you might not realize it till later. So it's really personal to everyone. Do you feel like it happened when you were growing up in New Jersey or maybe at Wagner College or maybe even last month? There are a few moments that I can really see as like very specifically important and definable moments. First, I would say was when I was probably a, like a little bit, a little bit before fifth grade, my birthday in fifth grade. So I think you turn, I think you turn 12, I think, or maybe, maybe 11, whatever, 11, 11, 11, I think. And I, for a little while before that really, really wanted to play guitar, you know, again, cause the music I was liking, like had guitars in it and I was whatever, you know, this was a huge surprise to my family generally, because my family's not especially artistic one, you know, they do a lot of cool things, but not like, you know, this was, this was kind of out of left field to ask for a guitar. And so I got one for my birthday in fifth grade. And that moment, I think it was a very, I think it was just a very formatively important moment for both me and kind of my family to, I think you generally know when a kid gets that kind of thing put in their hands when they, it's like, oh, they're gonna, they're gonna like do this for, re- like, they're not gonna take lessons mm-hmm. for a year and then stop. Like, this is gonna be a thing. And I had that moment for sure as a kid, like really start as I started to understand the instrument. And I think my family definitely did. My parents were so proud and loved to listen to that. You know, my dad used to always take me to the um, one of the guitar centers. Uh, I can't remember which one, which I think was on like Route 46 or something. He'd always take me uh, to the guitar center to play the expensive guitars for two reasons. Number one, because it's fun for me. And number two, I think there was just like an overwhelming pride of him, like standing off and watching like grown adults be like, why is that little kid playing so well? (laughs) You know what I mean? I think it was. Yeah. So that that moment. And then that one's just like for a life, a creative life in general. That's Mm -hmm. that one. But who who were the artists, though, that like really got you? (laughs) It was Blink-182. Yeah. It, yeah, okay. <laughs> it was it was Blink One Eighty Two at first, and you know Green Day and all that, and that was all you know because I was borrowing my bro- older brother, who's nine years older than me. I was borrowing his like CDs and stuff, so he had access yeah. to, you know, albums with curse words in it. American Idiot. Oh, that that would have come that would have come later, but yes, of course. A but yes, okay. but yes, okay. of course. Okay. That was a big moment. the The theater moment did not come until I was uh, a sophomore in high school, because at my school, it was such a small town that if you just signed up for the musicals, you were in them, like you didn't have to, <laughs> uh, you just were in, especially if you're a boy for the love of God. Oh yeah. They're desperate to, you know, fill roles. And my friends were doing it. So I just kind of signed up, not really caring. But then with, um, with the drama club, we went to see Spring Awakening because it was the, you know, the new musical of the year. You know, this was before, it was before it, started winning its Tonys. Yeah. So I'm thinking this was, I, I couldn't, I couldn't guess a month, but it was definitely somewhere in between December and June. Which as we learned in the recent, you know, those you've known documentary was that yeah. it was a tough time for those kids. Tumult- a, a, tum- a tumultuous it was, time. It was, anyway. It was seeing that show and he knows this. I've told it to him. He know he's very aware. It's embarrassing. I, I really hope he doesn't think that I'm like, weird or creepy about it but it was johnny's performance as moritz that really it just like blew me away in a way that i'm sure that it did for a lot of young people right like you know he listens to drama so well i know i know because i believe the only episode i've ever listened to yours was his because he was posting about it on instagram and i was moving my car for alternate side parking (laughs) when he posted about it and i was like well i need to kill literally an hour why don't i just sit here and listen to this i forgot to tell you tell you about that at the beginning 
Thank um, you for oh, listening. That's so fun. It was a good episode. Of it was course. a good episode. It was a lovely it? episode. He's a great guy. Yes, he's, oh he's, my God. He's very nice. And he, so, so he, he, it's just very funny to, uh, you know, get older because it's like, you know, 31 year old Alex is like, oh yeah, Johnny, that guy in the industry, like who I, pa- who I cross paths with sometimes and who I have a lot of mutual friends with or whatever. But like if you told 15 year old yeah. Alex that he would have come unhinged in a way that it is impossible to <laughs> my head's in the gutter alex so i thought you were gonna say he would have come <laughs> well that's <laughs> i was not gonna say that so that's your problem yeah. and i would i would inv- i would invite you to deal with deal with that on your own time but but yes so so it was that performance and it was um also because like i hadn't heard a musical with that kind of music yet which obviously was more my interest you know what i mean i didn't it's that that classic thing where you don't think musicals can do are supposed to do that you know what i mean sure um so it just meant a lot a a whole lot to me to see that both like personally as like a incredibly emo 15 year old with a lot of feelings and also as somebody who was a performer just not a performer in this medium yet right to get my ears perked up by something in that way and of course like that's when the the classic stuff happens where you start really falling down a rabbit hole and you find you discover rent and you discover all these shows and then you discover the classics and you're like wow like not for me but rad <laughs> like you know I, I love it so okay then you ended up playing Moritz yeah yeah is was was that like so trippy or was by the time it happened had it sunk in that you're like doing it I don't know I guess I don't even know how to ask this question because I know I'm jumping very far ahead. That's okay. I'm happy to jump. Because to hear that, <laughs> you know, that he and this performance and this character really kickstarted this interest. And then for you to be doing it, I mean, however many years later, what did that experience mean to you? Everything in the world. But also like you, the human brain, unless you are a very, very special person who is like legendary at gra- practicing gratitude, like the human <laughs> brain can't process events like that, right? Like, first of all, I talk to friends in the industry and I always, I'm always careful of how I say this. I'm assuming you have some young listeners maybe who want to like be doing this. Let's not even talk about the spring awakening aspect of it yet, but the Broadway debut part of it, Mm. at least in my experience and in the experience of a lot of people I respect and know and love and have been doing this forever, it doesn't do that thing you think it's going to do in terms of like, you don't like ascend. There's moments, right? Because you're doing it. You're actively doing it. You're trying, you're you're stressed out. You're tired. You're working on something really hard. And it's only in these beautiful little moments that pop that you don't realize is even happening until years later. In most cases that you, Mm -hmm. this is why sometimes you see someone like taking their first bow and then coming back up. And then you like literally see them realize it happened. And then, and then they start crying. Like, it's so impossible to process that. So at the time, I was as excited as you could possibly be. I think I was 24. I was working with like people like Krista, who like I watched, you know what I mean? Like all of these things. Yeah. But like, you just don't process it in a way that is like immediate, if that makes any sense. You know, now I can sit here with some time removed from it and say, the way it happened was unbelievable. And also the fact that it was Spring Awakening is unbelievable. And then the fact that it was Moritz is almost, seriously, every time I talk about it, like I almost start crying because it's like an unbelievable, it's it's unfucking believable. And like, sometimes I (laughs) laugh about it. Sometimes I like will turn to someone and say, isn't that just, can you believe that that happened? Because also 
if it had happened and it wasn't me, the devastation I would have felt would have been like wild. But also, I don't know how much I believe in like the universe and fate and all that stuff, but it like it had to be me because yeah. with this production, the skill set required for the role changed from just being an appropriate actor to play the role of Moritz, but changed from an appropriate actor to play the role of Moritz, who is also a Broadway level instrumentalist who can play mm -hmm. an entire score on four different guitars while also understanding how to be a part of a big ensemble and clearing the way to like collaborate on a level with your other castmates, particularly the deaf castmates, again, while providing the score for the show, while like doing all of this stuff. Like, this is why I couldn't appreciate it while it was happening because I was do it was too, it was too friggin' hard. Like I couldn't even like <laughs> believe it. Right. And and they struggled to find that person. And I and I, yeah. I know that's part of your story and everything. And it had to be you. Yes. I'll give, I'll give the we talked about this before. And I'll, <laughs> I'll give I'm gonna, I'm gonna do my best to make it as short as possible because that's okay. I've told the story many times. Some people listening may have heard this story. Some people listening may not have, and it's good. So now you know what the role means to me. Incredible. Mm -hmm. My first job out of college was um, Green Day's American Idiot, the national tour of it. And yeah. Jared Stein, uh, the music supervisor on the show, was the music supervisor on this production of Spring Awakening out in LA that would be done with Deaf West Theater. Um, and I saw the character breakdown and it said, the role will be voice of Moritz, will speak and sing all of Moritz's material, while being the guitarist in the orchestra of the show while, you know, working with the deaf actor who is playing Moritz. And I said to myself, I was like, oh, whoa, like I have to do this. So I reached out to him and I said, should I audition? And he was like, listen, this is at a 99 seat theater in LA. Obviously you would have to move for it. And he was like, and the contract is like, it's like a hundred bucks a week is what it, what it is. It's like, imagine like, off, 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 off Broadway, but now in Los Angeles, right? And I'm East Coast based. So I was saying like, you know, when this tour is done, I'm not really going to have my, you know, I can't move my whole life across the country at this point for a hundred dollars a week. Like I literally wouldn't be able to survive. I don't, I don't come from, you know, exorbitant wealth. I, I, I you know, I, I, it wasn't going to happen. So I said, oh, that's so cool. You know what? I'm going to, I'm not going to make the tape. Why waste anybody's time? And then they did it at the 99 seat theater in LA. And I moved back to the city or moved to the city. I should say, I finally I moved out of New Jersey and into, into the city. And I started seeing the reviews for that 99 seat theater production. And everyone was like, Oh my God, it's amazing. And I was like, how cool that they like figured that out. That's so rad. Like whatever. Yeah. And I let it, whatever, let it go. And also, cause that's all it was ever supposed to be, to be clear. Right. It was just supposed <laughs> to be this thing that Michael Arden and Andy Mantis and Def, Def West came up with. Um, so then I did an off-Broadway show called Here's Hoover, directed by Alex Timbers. I was playing drums in that show. Uh, that's important for you to know. Just let's leave that. Now we move on. So I had known Michael Mayer, director of the original Spring Awakening, which somehow makes this even weirder. I knew him from doing American Idiot, and he asked me to do that 21 Chump Street thing with Lin-Manuel that Michael directed. And I went to see Brooklynite. With Matt Dillon, uh, right? And, well, he's going to play very oh, oh. heavily into this story. I was seeing an early preview of Brooklynite and I was using the bathroom and Michael Mayer was next to me and we're both like peeing, which is like so funny because it's like, well, this is what has to happen. And he turns to me and says, hey, what are you doing in a couple of weeks? And I was like, you know, right now I'm peeing. So like, you know, I like was like, and we, we started chatting um, and he was like, oh, he's like, cool, interesting. And that went away. And like two days later, he called me and was like, look, we have a cast member in this thing, Brooklynite, that if the show extends, they're not gonna be able to do it. They're getting married. 
So we'd like you to do it because I know you and Peter, our composer, just saw you in this Here's Hoover thing. So no audition, just come do it for two weeks. And I said, amazing. Came in, got my equity card doing it. Offer only. Uh, come on. Offer only. Well, that's going to get even funnier <laughs> in a second. I go into that show. I become close with Matt Doyle, who is the lead of the show. Um, we're bonding over video games and stuff. It's, it's, it's lovely. So then that closes. And a few weeks later, I get an Instagram DM out of nowhere. Sorry, not Instagram. Instagram DM didn't exist yet, kids. Uh, Twitter DM from Andy Mientis that said, literally just said like, hey, dude, like Matt Doyle said you and I would get along great. Do you have a gig this summer? And I was like, no, no, I, I don't. What's like, what are you asking for? He's like, we're transferring our 99 seat theater production of Spring Awakening to a way bigger theater in LA. And the actor who was playing the voice of Moritz, he just um, booked another job. So he's not available. We were curious if you'd be interested in doing it. And I was like, yeah, because again, I can't stress you, you know, this is a really, really specific skill set, And I really think like, I can only think of like four or five people, like period who mm. could do it. I mean, there's more now because I feel like a lot more uh, people are playing, <laughs> playing guitar now. But also like, you know, it's not just playing guitar. It's like, it's playing, like, you know, it's playing, you know what I mean? And I was like, uh, 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 yeah, that sounds rad. Like, what do you need? And he's like, just, okay, here's like a, a, a Skype link. So I Skyped with Michael Arden, who was directing and we kind of just talked about it. And he was like, can you play like a song or something? Like, it was like not an audition because there wasn't time. There couldn't be one. And so I was like, do, do you want me to just play Don't Do Sad? And I know like, Don't Do Sad. Like, I was like, do you want me to just do it? And he was like, that would be really good. And so the, Zoom, the Skype call ends. I almost said Zoom call because now it's Zoom is the Windex of video <laughs> right. chatting at this point. Wow. This was like, this is, this is, it's giving vintage Twitter DMs. I know, Skype, I know, I know, you know, <laughs> I know. So then I hang up, I put on my little outfit because I was about to go to a catering shift. And before I even got to the subway, like I got a text from Michael that was like, we love you. We really want you to do this. Like, what is your representations information? Please get in touch. And I was on a plane a week later going to LA. They're kind of remounting this thing. Do you know what I mean? And, and the new cast members were me, Chris Rodriguez, Alex Wise, and Andy Mientis, who had to replace as well, because like, you know, people were unavailable for that. This was never supposed to be more. So like, you know, they were like, let's just get people like Andy knows the role. He did it on the tour. Let's just get them in here, you know, like yeah. stuff like that. And I was there. I'd never signed a day in my life. I don't know even the alphabet in ASL. Like some people know some things. It just like missed me in my growing up. So then I meet Daniel, who is now a movie star and was in CODA this year. Uh, the Academy so Award winning. Everyone says that. And, you know, <laughs> my fiance April and I turned to each other and we're like, finally, the world's going to know that Daniel's a stone cold babe. <laughs> like, it was, it was always so funny that that he was playing Moritz because I was always like, this guy, like whenever, when Marta would say the like sad, soulful, sleepy head and all the girls are like, ew, gross. I'm uh -huh. like, not him, dude. Not yeah. this guy. This guy's like, got, got it. Uh -huh. But, um, you know, we're, we're communicating by sliding a phone to each other. Like he would be typing and like, it was just this whirlwind of a process to get me to learn all the guitar stuff, to just like learn the lines, which is like enough to like create a performance, but then have to filter the performance through somebody else's performance, which is Daniel's, of course, which becomes this, like the cool thing about Deaf West is these performances become this gorgeous hybrid of two people's interpretation of something sort of meshing into one thing. And we did it. It was like the best month and a half of my life up until that point. And then two weeks later, I was on the subway and we just got an email that goes, 
okay, you're about to see an article that's saying we're going to Broadway. Everybody relax. Everybody relax. Like you're going to get offers. Just, just relax. And I'm sitting on the subway like, oh my God. And what was so funny is I was on the one train and if you've ever taken the one train, it goes above ground at 125th mm-hmm. street. And so I popped out just long enough to get that email <laughs> and then went back underground and was just like, oh my God. Oh my, I couldn't tell my family. Like I couldn't tell anyone. Cause I was just like, I can't believe this is happening. I can't believe this is happening. Um, and then it was like three weeks later that we all got our offers. And then like two weeks later that we started rehearsing because the Brooks Atkinson theater was empty in preparation for waitress. So it was like a perfect timing window. Like they needed a limited run in there. Everything like, oh, I'm like out of breath telling the story, but it was just like the universe conspiring in such a way. Like I needed to do this show. So I met this person so that I could meet this person so that I could meet Matt who could tell Andy when Andy was like, God, Matt, we can't find anybody. And then Andy could message me and I could like all of this stuff. Oh my God. I forgot another part of the story. <laughs> this part of the story actually gets not told as much. Um, I was with drama with my friend, Liam, we had done the Hamilton lottery at the public and lost, and we were going to try again at night and Gerard Canonico, who will be playing my wedding, as I said, texted me and was like, Hey, um, I'm about to get a beer with Ben Platt and his friend, Catherine. Do you want to, uh, do you want to just meet up for a beer? And I was like, Oh, sure. We just lost the lottery. Let's go meet up for a beer. And Catherine, as we all know, a Tony award nominee, Catherine Gallagher, she was in it. She was the voice of Marta. And this was, I think, like four days before that Twitter DM from Andy. So I had just met Catherine. I was like, wow, like you guys are transferring. That's so cool. Like, tell me about the show. I heard about it. I was so excited to hear about it. How does the voice of Moritz work? Like, what is that relationship like? And she was telling me all about it. So then when I met Catherine, like two and a half weeks later, she was like, did I meet you in a bar (laughs) <laughs> with Ben Platt and Gerard Canonico and this guy, Liam. And I was like, yes, <laughs> like it was like, and then it gets even weirder because it was Ben and then Dear Evan Hansen years later. Like, yeah, that is so. Oh, it. yeah, 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 yeah. I, I'm gagged. I'm gagged by this whole story. And you were right, Alex. It was worth hearing. It was it's always good. worth it. Look, it's a good story. And I like telling it because it's weird. It's exciting. It means a lot to me. And also I like to use it as an example to if any young performers are listening to cultivate relationships really organically. Don't be extra. Don't be too much. Don't try to mm-hmm. like be something that you're not or be friends with people who you wouldn't be friends with or something because that always reads as like annoying and like uh, social climbing. But just like be kind, always be good in the room because you don't know when shit like this will happen. Because yeah. for my story is particularly wild, but like a lot of people have a story like that where they've been, they've been working for years and years and years towards something. And then all of a sudden the right thing just happens in the right way. And it wasn't an audition that gets you the job. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. And so how much time passed between spring awakening and dear Evan Hansen? Two years, two years. Okay. And your hair was long. Yes. Well, at the end of Dear Evan Hansen, it was, it certainly was. Yes. <laughs> it was not at the beginning, but yeah, that was, that I remember was when years. you talked about cutting it. I remember seeing like tweets about um, it. You're like, it was like, it has got to go. What's so funny is I kind of miss it sometimes. Cause I thought it was, it's just, it's really cool. It was like cool to have. It was really cool to like, you know, have an excuse, like be paid to do that. And the only re- like, I probably would have kept it, but the only reason I cut it is I had an audition near the end of my time. And it was for an on-camera thing with a casting director who I've like gone in for for years. And I was like, at the end of the audition, I'm on my way out. I was like, hey, I have a quick question for you. This is really silly. If I keep my hair long when I leave the show, am I going to be limiting myself as a performer? 
And this casting director was very kind and was like, 100%. He's like, you got to remember that these people don't know you. They're going to be watching a tape. They're just going to make an assumption of you based on your hair only. They can sure. always they can always wig you if they want long hair. And I was like, okay, I'll cut yeah. it all off. And I cut it all off. Wow. Oh my God. And you obviously replaced Mike Feist, but who was like your Evan? My first Evan was Taylor Trench. Star. Who had, Star. Yes, the, the best. He had started. Also a Moritz. <laughs> I mean, yeah, isn't that fun? Yeah. Two very different kind of ways that that role can go actually, which is sort of yeah. fun. Like in terms of, I always talk about, uh, again, particularly to, young, particularly to young performances, the idea of like the essence. I think type is bullshit. And I think it's mm -hmm. limiting and I think it's hurtful. And I think it um, limits the types of performers that we can see in roles. And I just think like, fuck that. But essence is what's important. And so I like, you have to yeah. feel like this character. You don't need to, I, my favorite example of this is always like Hades town. If you look at like Andre de Shields as Hermes, and then you look at Levi Christ on the tour, you've got, you know, a 70 something year old man who is black, who like, is like a Broadway like icon and has a particular like aura about him. But then you have Levi out on the tour, who's quite a bit younger, who is not black, who sings with like a sort of like piano man, kind of like jazz club singer style. They could not be more different performers, but their essence is that of the character. And so they are hireable. Mm -hmm. And obviously this does not count when, it, when like certain things are very important to a character, such as their like identity or their racial background. Obviously that matters. Yeah. Stop. Don't, don't do that shit wrong. Yeah. But anyway, Taylor and I both had the essence of that character, but in two very different ways. So I think mm -hmm. that was really cool. But Taylor Absolutely. was my first Evan. Wait, and I know I'm jumping over for a second, but so were you in Dear Evan Hansen when you were on the producing? You were you were a producer for Hades Town. Correct. And I okay. was in Dear Evan Hansen. And when I was making the investor phone calls, I was dead off stage. So like I knew, <laughs> spoiler alert for six-year-old Dear Evan Hansen, Connor dies 10 minutes in. Yes, yes. We had very little time to raise the money because the money was not, uh, this was my, my fiance and I, we did it together as like wow. a, to do this. We had the opportunity. We were asked if we were interested and we were like, oh, I have to. First of all, I was like the biggest cheerleader for Hades Town, like already. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like being a co-producer of a show is basically being a professional fan of it. Like you need to believe in the product so much that you are willing to ask people for money to mm -hmm. put into a show. Um, and so we, you know, we would have those phone calls and just given the eight show week nature and the fact that my fiance and I had one week to raise the money Holy. and the week, the week was the week of Christmas. So like people were not in their offices and stuff. I would be like calling people when, as like, if they had time at any point and I was like, okay, um, I'm off stage for this amount of minutes. And if for some reason I need to run down to do sincerely me, April will just like, I'll just put the phone on mute and April will continue the call. And then I'll hop back on. <laughs> like, that's what it was. That's legit. What it was. It was so funny. I remember Michael Park, uh, who played Larry Murphy, uh, my character's dad, he was across from me. There was one time where he goes, what are you doing in there? Cause he's hearing me like talking about like large numbers and like capitalization and recruitment. He, it was cause normally I would just be sitting there playing video games when I was off stage. You know what I mean? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And then it won the Tony. Were you at the Tony awards when that happened? I was not at the Tony awards, but that was by choice. So April and okay. I made the choice to not go to the Tony awards. Cause something they don't tell you is attending the Tony awards is very oh. expensive. It costs a lot of money. You have to buy a ticket if you are a co-producer of a show. So like there will be an allotment. Like if you're nominated as like best actor in a musical, like, yes, of course, they'll have you there, whatever. 
But if you're a co-producer, you know, they can't comp, I'm not going to say they can't, but they don't comp, you know, a show has 50 mm-hmm. co-producers on it. They're just not going to give out those tickets yeah. for free, right? You're given the option to purchase them, which is whatever, like, you know, the league needs to make money in some ways. This is yeah. a great way to do it, particularly because a lot of producers are just like zillionaires anyway. I'm certainly <laughs> not. But April and I had the discussion and it was like, do we want to go? If we go and the show wins, we'll get to run up on stage and, you know, do all that. And I said, you know, this is me speaking from a place of privilege, April, but I have performed on the Tony Awards twice. I do not need to go. How do you feel? And she goes, I don't need to go. It's fine. We can watch it on TV. So uh, with our friend, Will Roland and his now wife, Stephanie, we were in a hotel room at the Carlisle Hotel. Fancy. And we dressed up fancy. And we sat there and we ordered pizzas and we watched the Tony Awards from there. And then we won and then we went to all the parties. <laughs> oh, well, that's the way to do it. That's so great. That sounds even more fun. Yeah, well, the Tony's is really cool. But a, a thing that people don't quite, I guess, realize when you think about it is you do have to remember they're producing a telecast, right? So it's not designed for the people in the audience to enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, you get incredible enjoyment out of it. But like the sound, for example, is mixed for the television, right? It's mixed for what the people at home are going to watch. So like the sound feels very fishbowly. Yeah. It's very like hot in there. People are always getting up and coming and going. There's cameras everywhere. It's hot because there's lights everywhere because they're filming it. So it's like, it's a pretty like overwhelming thing. And so I was just like, what if we just, what if we just didn't? I think you, yeah, you won in multiple ways that night. Cause I think that's the way to, that's the way to go for sure. Totally. Yeah. Totally. You'd be great in Hades town. Have you ever gone in for uh for Orpheus? Conflict of interest? Or? I, I don't quite know the answer to that. I think it's maybe a little bit weird. If they're interested, I would audition. They know where to find you. You know what I mean? But also like, I would, I would just love like, I have no say in this whatsoever. I would really like really interesting swings to start being made on that role. I think there's so many different kinds of, you know, the, the mo- we're going back to essence, but personally from just for my money, I think the most important thing about that character is a very special set of vocal cords. Mm-hmm. Special can mean anything. It can mean beautiful. It can mean funky. It can mean weird. It just needs to be special. I th- don't think that there are rules other than that for the type of person that can play this role. I think there's such room sure. to put like, put fucking like St. Vincent in there. Like she would be in like, you know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. I don't know. I'm just like, get, get, get funky with it. Like, why not? Again, I'm saying this disclaimer. I have no say in this whatsoever. I am explicitly and implicitly trust trust Rachel Chavkin to make the appropriate hiring decisions in this role. (laughs) She's a genius, but like, that's just for my money. Yeah. I love what you're talking about with the essence of a role. It's like, it's like words we all describe and, you know, cause like every gay man is in in their head and a a casting director, but it's, it's often (laughs) the obvious choices. So, and, you know, casting has been a huge topic of conversation this Broadway season in terms of like putting stars in shows that may or may not, depending on your opinion, work, you know, like lowering the keys in the music man or, you know, et cetera, et cetera. We all know the conversations that have been happening. Yeah. So I think it's just such an interesting thought in general to start making mm-hmm. more creative casting choices, because that's what I want to see. I want to see interesting talent on stage and you know, Broadway is the biggest theatrical stage we've got in in the States. So why not try to make it fun and make it give you a reason to want to go back and to make it worth your ticket, right. you know? Well, you know, and it's, I always say too, like, I long for the day where these are not considered creative decisions. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I long for the day where 
there's nothing novel about like the first time a person of color gets to play a role. Like if you're celebrating that, usually that means you waited too long. Do you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, and that really, you know, I, I, it really, I obviously progress is awesome and we need to be making it. And like, of course, like I want to cheer for people who are not traditionally cast in certain roles. Like I want to cheer for them when that happens because they deserve it sure. and they represent so much more than themselves. Right. Like I'll never forget the first time that Roman Banks went on as Evan Hansen. Yeah. It was a, one of the more special days that I personally experienced in that building. And I'm like, I understand someone's always going to originate a role, right? Like it's always going to happen. And sometimes that's a white person and that's okay. Like, mm -hmm. but it's also like, I always feel really weird about the self-congratulation that we tend to as an industry make upon ourselves for fixing a problem we created in the first place. Yes. You know what I mean? It's always so, yeah, I'm a professional wrestling fan. Let's add another layer to this. Okay, you have so but, many but, interests. Listen, this is going to make, please, I swear to God, this is going to make sense. <laughs> the WWE, the WWE like patted themselves on the back so hard for so many years with what they were calling the women's revolution, which is that they were giving women more screen time. They were prioritizing like storylines that featured the women wrestlers. And I'm sitting here being like, stop patting yourself on the back. It's you people who like, made these girls go out in skimpy outfits for years and slap each other. You're the problem. And you don't get yeah. to pat yourself on the back to, when you fix it. Like, right. So anyway, all of that to say, like the progress we're making rocks and I'm so glad to see it in this industry. And I look forward to the day where like progress isn't, isn't necessary because you don't need to fix problems when you make sure they're not being made in Oof. the first place. And I think, mm. I think a lot of people are getting a lot better at this. The rooms that I've found myself in post-pandemic are way more compassionate generally. They're way more thoughtful generally. They're way more considered generally. And I would say that the rooms that aren't stick out like a, a damn sore thumb. And they tell, mm -hmm. me a lot of, they tell me a lot about the people I'm working for. And they tell me a lot about if I want to use my body to tell their story and make them money. And that's just what it is. It's what it is. And so we go back to the essence. It's the most, it is the most important thing. The essence. It is. Mic drop. I mean, Alex, you, you've got it. Your drama. Well, good. I'm glad to, I'm so glad to hear it. I would love, I would love, uh, I don't know, Hollywood to think I've got it so that I can buy a house. Oh, I, would, yeah. I would love a, I would oh, love yeah. a home. This whole renting, this whole <laughs> renting thing is really exhausting. You know, I kind of want to just button that with like, I am only able to say the things that I just said because I listened to people who have had to deal with the problems for too long. And I think that I really encourage anybody who's listening to like kind of do the same because I'm not perfect and I'm learning every single day, but I'm like, you know, we, we can make this whole thing better. <laughs> like we can make it better for everybody. And very few people are actually not interested in doing so. You know what I mean? Like most people want this to be better for everybody. This is a collaborative art form, one of the most collaborative art forms. And we, we can we can do, we can make it better for everybody and people can be taken care of more. This is hard enough. Being in this industry is, is enough of a challenge. The last mm -hmm. thing you need to do is make people feel like shitty and othered. We can do a better job of it. And everybody listening knows we can. And I just think that like, take time, get your head out of your own ass. I know you want to sing and dance and it's really, really fun professionally, but like, consider the space you're taking up and consider the, um, you know, you're lucky to be here if you're doing it. And just by yeah. clearing some space for some people who also deserve to be there does not mean that you have lost your spot. Grow up. Yeah. And that's, 
That's key. <laughs> Beautifully put. Well, we do need to wrap in a few minutes, but I'll talk forever. We... Let's go. I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're so interesting. Oh my God. I know. Part we... two, part two will come eventually. Sure. Yeah. We haven't even talked about your book. I would love you to do that. Talk yeah. About really I, quick? I would super, yeah. super love to do that. Yeah. It's called a case of the zaps. My fiance and I wrote it together. It's a children's book. Um, we wrote it together over the pandemic it, during that period of like, oh man, like the acting is not, doesn't exist. Like, you know, like during that period, it might not ever again. No, truly. Yeah. Like it was like that really dire period where I was like at this mm -hmm. like way that we've considered making money, mm -hmm. which is also, you know, we make a joke that it was our pandemic baby because people, a lot of people had babies in the pandemic. This is what we did. <laughs> and, you know, we had the idea years ago because, you know, during my time working at Dear Evan Hansen, and as somebody who has plenty of mental health issues that I deal with myself, you know, I, I started to like work with these organizations like the Child Mind Institute. And, you know, April works with the Story Pirates, which is like a children's organization that's really, really awesome. And we were saying that there was a gap in stories for children about anxiety and mental health stuff that kind of comes at it directly. Like there are a lot of really wonderful books for kids that are like, talk about worrying, right? But like, we were like, but where's the book that says you might have a panic attack? Do you know what I mean? You, mm. you might have, you mm. might, this might happen to you and it's okay. Where's that book? Right. And what does yeah. it feel like? So we just came up with the idea. My agent has a literary department. So I, I said, look, we have this idea. I don't know if anyone's going to want it. We'd love to write it. And Abrams Kids, which is a wonderful, you know, they do like Diary of a Wimpy Kid. Like they, they oh, loved yeah. the idea. And so here's the book. It's it's very very cute. It's a children's book. The art isn't incredible. Like yeah, like I'll just turn to a page. I don't know. Like how sweet, how cute. There's our little hero being so anxious. And you know, again, <laughs> it's gorgeous. Thank you. And we consulted with the Child Mind Institute on it, which is great too because they they donated their time for us to be able to say, here's our manuscript of this book. We want to make sure we're speaking properly. We want to make sure we're saying all the right things. We want to make sure that we're talking about this, like we, April and I both have experience with our own stuff, but like, mm -hmm. you know, there's language, right. That is appropriate. And so like things like the edits they would send would be really fun, which would be like, Hey, just change this one word because that implies fear. And we don't want to imply fear. We want to imply, accept. It. you know what I mean? Like little things uh, like that. Oh. So, you know, we had our regular editor who's editing the book and then we had child mind. So the book comes out, I think it's August 15th. Oh, cool. Um, you can pre-order it. If you have a kid in your life or whatever, you can pre-order it. Literally just Google a case of the zaps and they're like a million places, all of the places where you would get a book, you can pre-order it. And something I've learned is that pre-ordering books is really important. It determines things like where, like how many copies Barnes and Noble will order. Like if they're seeing oh. like, there's a lot of pre-orders. Oh, we might want to order more copies of this because if it's popular now, blah, blah, blah. It'll change where bookstores put the book. Will it have a special little spot in the front in the new releases or does it just go somewhere? So like, that's how you get on the bestsellers list. So like, this is the stuff that I've been learning that is so exciting yeah. that, that like, you're like, wow. And like the press for it is so different too. Like we're going to some book conventions. We're oh. going to like, we get to do like story times at oh, like fun. little bookstores. Like there's going to be a lot of stuff that I'll get to post about. Um, and it's oh, awesome sweet. to do it with April, frankly. Cause like, I yeah. like do, I like doing things with her and, um, we're very different artists and it's cool that this is a project that makes sense for us to have like 
intersected. I, I always yeah. joke that like when you put the two of us next to each other, I look like I'm supposed to be on some AMC drama and she looks like she's <laughs> supposed to be on some like NBC sitcom. Like she looks all like <laughs> happy, healthy and adorable. And I'm over here like being like, where's the stash? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like <laughs> I love it. Well, everyone should definitely buy it. And, you know, knowing that it's a children's book, buy it and donate it to your, you know, local you library, yeah, your you school totally libraries, could. you know, like give it as a gift to someone in your life who has children. Yeah. Like that's really amazing. Yeah, Pre-order it now. And then you don't have to worry about a gift for the holidays. It's very true. You know, it's, they'll be like, Oh wait, it's I very have true. And don't you want to be so cool yeah. and have a copy of it before it's the biggest children's, but it's before it's the next uh, giving tree. Right. Exactly. Right. Before the rights are sold right. by Diz to right. Disney before and they we're manifesting series. before I live in my house made entirely of this book. <laughs> In upstate New York, somewhere near, <laughs> right. maybe somewhere near Hudson, there'll be a lot of beautiful trees and I'll have a mansion of books. A dream. Well, that's incredible. Wait, I'm curious who illustrated it. Yes, please. I'd love to talk about James. His name is James Kwan. What's so cool, and for our, for our lovely listeners, look what happened is our editor put some illustrators in front of us. Like she was like, hey, like here are like 10 illustrators that I think fit the world you're trying to create. You know what I mean? And, and that was yeah. fun too. We like, got to look at people's websites and everybody was so good. But James just had the thing, the unquantifiable yeah. thing. James had the essence we were looking for as a writer. Mm -hmm. um, and James, yeah, you should just Google him. He's he's written books of his chil children's books of his own. He's an animator. He's an illustrator. And fun fact, his brother directed everything everywhere all at once. So this family, oh my this fa I, like, I'm like, what is what was this family drinking? That you're all yeah. so talented and incredible. <laughs> we don't, wasn't it two directors or? Yes. Yes. They're called the Daniels okay, because they're I both thought, named Daniel. I thought they were called Daniel, yeah. the Daniel. I thought it was Daniels, but the Daniels. Yes. They may also call themselves just Daniels. Like they're a collaborative team. They, they also did um, uh, Swiss Army Man, which is a wild ride. If you haven't seen I haven't it. I haven't seen it. I've Ooh, heard I'll of it. Check it out. Oh, da wow. Daniel Radcliffe plays a dead body. Oh, nice. <laughs> That's a uh, plays a dead body who moves around by farting you have to watch it his post potter <laughs> career is thrilling and incredible it rules may we all may we all be able to make such like artistically uh -huh. fulfilling and choices. he's gonna be you know um in merrily roll along this fall and which rules that's great i appreciate him so much for bringing his fame back yes, to the he's now. amazing a short king too which we love right yeah, we could talk with you forever, Alex. You're just, you're so amazing. We do have to move into our titular segment, The Dose of Drama. Right. Which the book, the book could have been The Dose of Drama. Knowing you, I feel like you might have something else. It could be a Let's suggestion, see. a recommendation, a rant, a rave, anything. Um, Connor, I know that you might have had something to kick us off. I do. I have a music recommendation. I have been absolutely obsessed with this new album by the group Muna, and their their album is called Muna. Um, it's it's I think their second album, and I wasn't really too into them before because I didn't know who they were, which is a common phenomenon we all experience. But they became popular to the gay world earlier this summer when they had a cover. Britney Spears is sometimes in the Fire Island film, so of course I was gagged. And then the yes. new album. It was all perfect timing, but yeah, yeah this album is amazing. Absolutely amazing. And Dylan, you've got to get more into it. I mean, I listened to it all today. I love oh, good, it. good, 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 good. I know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, like the song Silk Chiffon is I know. killer, killer, killer. Doesn't it sound like a song that should have been on the radio for years? Well, that's that's their uh, gift, I think. Um, I think that's one mm -hmm. of that group's gifts is that they make music that feels both new and timeless. 
Oh, oh yeah. We didn't even talk about music. We could have done that the entire time too. I do not have a music recommendation, but I do have a a TV recommendation for anybody who has not watched um, Hulu's Conversations with Friends. I am finally digging into it, and it stars Taylor Swift's beau Joe Alwyn, among many others. And I'm I hate it, but love it all at once because it's it it's very emotional and very deep and. It's, you really have to be in a certain place to watch it. And it makes you feel all the things. Um, have you ever heard of that, Alex? It's a Sally Rooney novel that normal people. Was you the, are, you are the predecessor sparking something in my head. I think it, no, it's not, it's not <laughs> what I thought it was. Okay, not what I okay. thought it was. It came out in like March, yeah. but I'm just late to the party on it, but it's very good. And, um, but don't watch it if you're going through like any emotional or relationship trauma. <laughs> so maybe don't watch yeah. it until uh, TBD. Right, yeah, right, because right. you know the entire For the entire people. world mm-hmm. is a, is a harrowing place right now. <laughs> Truly, now, Alex, do you have a dose of drama for us today? Yeah, I think I have been okay. I'm going to give a, a few rapid fire suggestions. Oh. First one, um, if you like documentary style comedy, you know, like maybe like uh, Best in Show or like Waiting for Guffman, you know that that Drop kind of thing. gorgeous. I mean, The Office. Yeah, all of these things. Yeah. Um, there's a show on Paramount Plus that no one's talking about called Players, which is really, really great. It's about, it's basically a parody of that. Um, remember that Chicago Bulls documentary that came out yeah. on HBO? Yeah. I think it was. It was just about that team of like unbelievable, like Michael Jordan and that team. Yeah. It was like an, you know, the drama. It is about an esports team, the show, like a video oh, game fun. team. And it's presented in the way of those kind of very serious sports documentaries. It's by the yeah. team that made that American Vandal show. If you watched that oh, a yeah. few years ago. What game are they playing? They're My playing League of Legends. They're playing League of oh, Legends. Okay. Then I need um, to watch with him because he has his own yeah. League of Legends team. So, so then great. It's a very wild yeah. thing because they got the rights to League of Legends. So like a lot of the like professional League of Legends people are in it. So it blurs oh. this strange line. A lot of people listening to this are not going to like it, but, sure. but it it's niche, really, but yeah. it's really fun. And then music, I recommend Cody and Cambria's new album. They're one of my favorite bands that are a prog rock band. Um, yeah. I think that they have a theatricality to them that I think would open up the ears of a lot of people. They're like a warped tour staple from back in the day, right? Yes, but they're like so much more than that. Um, they're, they're, <laughs> they're like, they've been going for 20 years now. Their music is very mathematic. It's very like heady. But this, okay, this new cool. album has a song called Comatose on it that I recommend everyone go listen to. The hooks are out of control. You'd really, really like it. Oh, awesome. Some of the craziest vocals around. And then for film, go watch Love and Gelato on Netflix, which I'm in, which is a sweet like romantic comedy. I'm only in it You're for, in it. I'm briefly in it. And I sing a Fleetwood Mac song that is my own arrangement in it. Um, what song? Everywhere. Okay. Oh, amazing. I want to be with you everywhere. Yeah. Dylan didn't um, put that in the intro for your bio. Well, Dylan made a mistake <laughs> and Dylan needs to be handled. No, actually, um, the intern wrote the bio this week. So someone's getting fired. Okay. Good, 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 good. Oh my God. I hope they're a paid. I hope they are a paid. I hope they're a paid intern. And then <laughs> they would be the last thing I will say, and I will leave it at this is I will say, please mm. investigate places where you can help with reproductive rights right now. I would love if you would maybe on a local level, look to see where you can dump a little bit of money. If you have no money, just make sure you're educated on the situation and know what you can do to help. But at the local level is great. Oh, perfect. Yes, that's right. I know you're probably getting tons of texts from the Democratic Party and people like that, but you know the money might do better going directly to- It would do better. Do that. It would do right better. Now. That's totally. 
Yeah, I think that's what we got to do. Um, thank you for mentioning all of that, Alex. You are a wealth of knowledge and pop culture. And and I know you have a lot of other things, but I really do think you could have your own podcast. I mean, I, I, I mean, I have, the, I have the, I have you know, I, I yeah, streamed I don't know you... for most of the pandemic. It's kind of what, it's okay, kind of what kept okay. me, uh, it's kind of what kept me alive. Yeah. With, of course, with Andrew Barth Feldman, yeah. our mutual pal. Huh. So we'll have to, Love to have you back in the future, maybe with Andrew, maybe we'll have a little round table of sorts because I think that you have so much to contribute and we are so thankful for your time and your last minute booking with us. Today. Oh, yes. Yes. I'm thankful to be here. Thanks everybody for listening. Thank you. And where can everybody find you? It's just Alex Boniello on... I think it's just at Alex Boniello and now on TikTok even because I've started Uh-oh. doing TikToks about behind the scenes book stuff because I really was looking for a good place to put what it's like to um, promote a book. And I was like, I'm not doing this on my Twitter and Instagram. It's going to get too annoying too fast. And TikTok feels like the place. Well, Alex, thank you. This has been so fun. Thank you. This has been great. I know. Thanks for doing this. Of course. Thank you. And we'll put the links for the, to pre-order the book and everything else below. But while everyone's following Alex, they got to follow us. We're at the drama podcast. Connor's at Connor McDowell. I'm at Dylan McDowell and Connor. I will see you next time. Drama. Drama.